Next Chapter Podcasts. Before we dive into this week's diabolical episode of bonus content for Indecent with Kiki Anderson, I want to remind you one more time about another podcast that's sinfully good. Dom Brody is a comedian and historian. She's worked for museums around the world, appears regularly on the History Channel, and she's the host of the podcast, Hilf, History, I'd Like to Fuck. Each episode, Dawn is joined by a new guest where they dive deep into the annals of history. From Pompeii to the Salem Witch Trials to Monica Lewinsky, nothing is out of bounds. History's a party and everyone's coming. Listen to Hilf wherever you get your podcast. It's always hail Satan and never how is Satan? Seriously, does anyone ever check in on old Beezlebub? He must really be burnt out from being the source of everyone's problems for thousands of years. American Hysteria host Chelsea Weppersmith continues to point out that he is the OG scapegoat, but he's far from the only boogeyman we blame when things in our world go badly. I'm always surprised in this day and age when people are like willing to believe like crazy bullshit like QAnon yeah. or like people believing sure. Tom Hanks is a pedophile or like whatever yeah. in the age of the internet where you can google literally anything and like just totally tear apart crazy theories like that why are people so willing to believe in this crazy stuff I think that the best answer to that is just confirmation bias, which is something that we all have where we tend to have already made up our minds about something and will reject any information that contradicts it. In fact, a lot of studies have shown that once you hold a belief strongly, having someone present evidence to you makes your position stronger like your previous position. So actually coming to people saying, well, here, I have a bunch of sources. Here's a bunch of education. Generally, that makes people actually go in the opposite direction, which is tragic, just so tragic, right? Because you think, well, how else do we combat this? Um, but that's unfortunately, you know, a little bit of a better way is to uh, interact with that person kind of on a human to human level and like hear their concerns and like, oh, well, why do you think that, you know, kind of like open people up more that tends to, you know, it's not something most people want to do. I respect that. But um, I think that, you know, a lot of people do come in with strong beliefs. We all do. I mean, I am certainly guilty of not being able to digest information that conflicts with my worldview. And it takes like, a, you know, it's like wrenching that. And um, I think it's easy to think that ourselves, like we ourselves are not um, prone to doing that. But I think all of us are. But yeah, I think if you already believe in the devil, if you already hate Democrats, if you already feel like the world's out of control, if you already have this enemy of Satan or whatever, then you're going to see all that information as legitimate. So if you like, you can see like, okay, CNN does a report about how something's fake. People who believe in conspiracy theories are going to go, okay, well, that's fake because CNN is in on the conspiracy. So it's like, any legitimate sources are kind of are translated into being part of like the propaganda of the conspiracy. So that doesn't really help, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think that it's just really, really hard for people to 
grapple with information that goes against what they already believe. And so we get, you know, people who believe in angels and the devil and monsters and elite pedophile rings, which don't get me wrong, there are some, sure, you know, but the ones that are controlling the world and kind of creating all of these disasters to control us, et cetera, like these very complicated conspiracies, you know, they match with a certain worldview uh, that people already hold. And so that's comforting to them. They're like, okay, I get this. The other thing is like having inside information makes people feel awesome, right? When you like have a secret or you're like, I'm part of this club that sees the truth, right? And so whatever the truth is, is what you're deciding the truth is in in your own context so you know it's it's really hard to um get people to to step out of something that is really their entire worldview you know it's like a religion really like politics is is a religion at this point and so it's like it's really hard to challenge someone's religion and when somebody grabs and holds on to something as tight as as we do to our politics at this time then it's going to be really hard <laughs> to get people to take in different information. Yeah, that is that is a funny point that they like to have secret information. They're like they're like the hipsters of misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah, right? Like I it. discovered this mm-hmm. new band. Well, I discovered this new weird sex cult. That you yeah. guys don't even know about. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Same exactly. Uh, and it is and it is a way to form community, and that's sad. So you were talking earlier about uh, like a kidnapping craze. Like, I just remember I grew up in the 90s and I remember like every commercial on TV was about like watching your kids at the mall because they might get snatched. (laughs) Like it did really feel. How old are you? I'm 31. I don't want to betray you. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I'm 35. So we we have like a similar cultural moment, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Stranger Danger Panic is actually the first episode we ever did in 2018. And I thought it was like it was like that foundational. Right. It was like I was like, we wouldn't even want to do this first. Um, And I think it's just a really good example of um, how we can take these stories that do happen. I mean, like Adam Walsh, you might remember John Walsh, who did um, America's Most Wanted. That was his son who was kidnapped and murdered, very gruesome. He was taken from a uh, arcade and um, there were several other kids who were taken in the 80s. Jacob Wetterling was one of them. Eden Patz was another one. And, you know, there's a lot of power that we imbue in our children um, as like symbols. And so I think that when you amplify kind of these innocent children being taken again and again and again, meaning you amplify it again and again and again. It was only really a handful of children. And then you start then to form a a narrative around something that's rare that ends up being really dangerous like the abuse we actually need to combat to protect children again is not like we have to just like slay the dangerous stranger in the van and like kick his ass and you know do all of the hero shit we actually have to say like ooh are my kids safe here are they safe with their like uncle uncle are they safe with like their football fucking coach you know like are they safe with people in the community um that's like a really hard thing to grapple with and a very stressful thing to grapple with and it's actually less stressful to externalize that fear and anxiety 
into like what we call like what sociologists call a folk devil, um, where we just kind of say you're the problem so that we don't have to investigate either how our community or how even we contribute to an actual problem. And then with the stranger danger, then it's like people get so focused on it. And then these foundations pop up and they use these like bogus numbers like um McGruff, the crime dog, would always say that every year, half a million, 500,000 kids go missing. And you're like, what? 500,000 kids go missing every year? But what they don't tell you is that, like, the vast majority of the kids that go missing were either, like, runaways who came back the next day or they were people who were taken by family members and came home. But most of them are people who came home under circumstances that were not actual like stranger kidnapping but they don't tell you that in the commercials we have the same problem now we they they the same like sex trafficking numbers are really like off and what happens then is like you have a misunderstanding of what abuse is really occurring and that's really dangerous because then you're like focusing on the wrong things and you know and that's that's like really really damaging to you know, everything from like whether children can like play outside or like, you know, whether kids can be in different online communities. It's just like we start to restrict and restrict and restrict um, based on on a false idea of what danger actually is for the lives of kids. And I think that that's like very sad and really fucked up. But like, where does that even come from? Like, what what's the benefit of keeping people scared of other people? Like, who, who's who's propelling that? Mm. McGruff statistic mm -hmm. or like I, it wasn't like missing children that organization like they found it was found out that they were like really corrupt or something are you talking about recently I think so yeah the like center guy, for the guys from that movie freedom sound of freedom he got in trouble for being like actually a gross dude so um I think that <laughs> I always think that the impetus to a moral panic or like Basically, people are making money off our fear, always. And they're making money off our outrage, always. So, like, if we are constantly, like, I don't think it's, like, that complicated. I think it's, like, A, definitely a way to keep people voting the way that you want them to vote. So it's, like, oh, if you vote for me, like, this dangerous, horrifying wave of crime that often is not really happening, I'll fix it. Or it's, like tonight at eight, you know, like seven women are found, you know, in a murder scene, you know, it's like that is going to get your attention. And then thus in this world that we live in now, your money, because it's like an attention economy. And so I think like when you have stories that are really sensationalized, it's going to get people's attention. And there's just a lot of money in scaring people and pissing people off. And um, we see a lot of that today, I think. Yeah. And so I do think it's kind of as simple as like hucksters who know that formula, which is from someone on Twitter, you know, any Twitter outrage machine who shall remain nameless to <laughs> CNN, Fox News. They're all outrage that, you know, it's like maybe we maybe some of them have more integrity than others, but all media operates on outrage. And so if you can find the most sensational stories and amplify them, then you're going to do better yeah. financially, which yeah. sucks so That's bad. So real. Yeah. I, yeah I, I remember Chelsea being 
like five and there was <laughs> this one story about some woman mm-hmm. who like drowned her kids in the bathtub because she thought she was possessed oh, by that. Satan. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. this was a real fear that. I internalized that at some point my mom was going to crack and drown me in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> was your mom religious? Not at all. <laughs> But it's like, it could. It could happen to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, that's like what I'm saying, right? It's like these stories stick with you. I mean, John Bonet was like a major part of like so many of our childhoods, which is like obviously like a very rare case of like a very affluent little white girl being murdered. And like, we still don't know. And it's like, it was just such a sensational story that, you know, I mean, still gets so much coverage. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, these like they are very affecting stories that we hear and internalize. And then, you know, I mean, that's like urban legends, right? I mean, maybe you remember uh, the legends from the 90s where you flash your lights at someone whose lights are off and then it's actually a gang initiation and they flip their car around and kill you. You hear this one ever? No, but that sounds like oh that song God. that everybody was yeah. obsessed with, like a, in, by, what was it, Immortal Technique? Oh my God, I know that song. I know, I'm like, I'm like 12 years old being like, yeah, <laughs> listening to that Immortal Technique song. That's just like the most horrifying song. So what's like a fun thing that's taking over America right now? Because I feel like we're only seeing the bad stuff, really. Well, you know, right now for Halloween, and this is really special because we haven't really announced this yet, but I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> we are doing um, the craze of the 12 foot skeleton, and we're going to really dive into why that, you know, in 2020 was such a giant, almost beady baby esque <laughs> um, craze. And then we're going to trace the history of like the display skeleton through American history. And and that is just deep. There's so much there. So that's the craze that I think is really interesting right now since we're coming up on Halloween. It's like every every year now it's sold out in hours, right? And it's like not that many things sell out in hours. And there's like a secondary market, a black market for these 12 foot skeletons. And they're selling for like triple what Home Depot charges. And so, you know, we'll take, yeah, yes. I mean, they're everywhere, right? They're like everywhere on social media. And now they're being dressed up for like every holiday. And so we want to be like, okay, we have this 12 foot skeleton craze. Fucking why? Like why at this time in 2020, was this the moment for us to have this giant 12-foot skeleton? So that's kind of what we're going to, like, what's the cultural moment? And then what is the history as far back as we can go in America with, like, how we deal with skeletons and displaying skeletons? So we're going, it's going to be really fun. It's our Halloween special, so. All right. Well, you heard it here first yeah. on Indecent. So definitely a little cross-promotion going on here. Love it. Yes. Here for it. Love spooky season. <laughs> I, I do find that fascinating, oh, yeah. though, like, that that's a, a craze coming out of, like, a global pandemic. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of what, you know, writers who have investigated this have talked about, you know, 2020, the pandemic you know, lockdown start in what, February, March, I think March, and then, you know, Halloween's a few months later. And it's like these giant reminders of death in this like terrifying time. So it seems like why would we want giant skeletons? But then, it, you know, we get into kind of why Halloween reminders of death can end up being really comforting to us if we kind of like take control of them and make them fun, right? It's like, it's pretty fun. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to get real much deeper into that um, in October. 
I actually, I didn't know that this could take a positive twist. I'm very excited about this. Hey. <laughs> this, is, this is great news. I love positive twists. I'm so twists. happy. <laughs> All right. You never know where it's going to go. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review Indecent with Kiki Anderson wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show at Indecent Kiki on Instagram. Follow me at It's Kiki Anderson. Email the show at IndecentThePod at gmail.com. And come back next week for more Indecent, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Next Chapter Podcasts.